Hello, welcome to Unprecedented Women, the podcast sharing incredible stories of women who paved their own way in the world of work. Stories that will inspire you to have the confidence to be visible, take action and to play big, because what's the best that can happen? I'm Jess Audsley, we're all pioneers and we are all unprecedented. Today, I have the sincere pleasure of welcoming onto the podcast Vendela Liljestråle, who together with her business partner Camilla Lundin are the women behind the largest Swedish business network for women on Instagram, Business and Dreams. Uh, Vendela is a seriously impressive person who started the boutique investment firm Calora Capital with her business partners straight out of university at the age of 23 to help startups secure venture capital. And uh, Camilla and Vendela were recently named uh, one of Forbes 30 under 30 in Europe. It is a pleasure to welcome you onto the podcast, Vendela. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to do this together with you. And I'm so impressed with your journey as well. So thank you. I'm very honored to be here. Thank you so much. Tell me your story. How did you meet Camilla? And how did you start your first business and then come onto Business and Dreams? Yes, of course. So it was actually a bit like we didn't expect this. Uh, So the whole thing started actually in a very boring like group assignment in school. So we were studying the third year at the Stockholm School of Economics here in Sweden, in Stockholm, which the name says. (laughs) And yeah, we were doing a group assignment and we knew each other from before, but not that well. But in this group assignment, we just like clicked and we became like best friends over best friends overnight. Um, so that's where it all started and like shortly thereafter we um, came up with the idea to Calora Capital and we were actually working with another startup um, which was like a combination of the Tinder and Snapchat, the two apps that were very popular back then. And when that uh, startup was looking for capital, we realized that it was really hard to actually to know like how the process worked and like which investors to contact and how long it took like to, to raise capital and how to value your startup. So many questions. Um, so we realized there should be like a Tinder, but for startups and investors. Uh, so that's when idea to Calora Capital uh, came up. Uh, and we started, as you said, we started that company straight off the university. We started like six months prior to graduation and then we just continued working with it after that. Um, so that's where it all started our first company. It's so incredibly brave, I think, to do what you did. Um, but you famously said, I've read as well, that you don't really need to know everything when you start. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think that's maybe something that is holding many people back because you can imagine so many things that you're not sure about how you like, how you do it. I mean, everything from accounting to programming. I mean, there are so many aspects in starting a company. And what I realized more and more is that you really don't have to like know anything. (laughs) You just have to like have a drive and some kind of vision. I think you should be passionate about what you do because that will be like your driving force. But I think the main quality of an entrepreneur is to get together like the people who can uh, realize your idea. So whether it's like in programming or accounting, I think that makes the best startup. So the founder should be really good at uh, getting a good team together who can accomplish this mission together. Mm. You're touching upon a quite an important aspect of business, which is kind of like the network 
aspect of your network and I thought that was when I read about you guys which was quite a number of years now I've been following you I thought it was just so brave to just do what you did straight out of uni because the world of venture capital is a traditionally male world and it's usually where people are quite connected to each other how did you approach building that network of investors yeah that's actually a good question and i think we're a bit we're a bit naive when we started uh, because as you say what many people do is that they work within finance and after many years they have built up this network and maybe they can start a firm of their own um, but we actually started with zero network. <laughs> so that was a bit different. And I remember us like Googling like angel investors in Stockholm. So I mean, that was the level we were on. <laughs> so it was really step by step that we built this network. And it was a lot of uh, referrals actually. So we get to know like one investor and that investor, you know, had this network of his own uh, or her own uh, angels as well. Um, so it was really like from, from the ground and up. Um, so, um, so yeah, and now we have this network, it's more than uh, 1,100 investors, but I think that is like the main, uh, one of the like key resources in Calora Capital to have this network of investors that trust you um, and that uh, rely on the deal flow that you will give them. But it has been a long journey. It took many years to actually like build this network, as you say. Mm. It's a traditional male world. We know that. And we also know that in Sweden, it's about 1% of all venture capital funding that goes to fully female funded businesses, which is a really, really sad state of affairs. But I can only imagine like what you've personally come across as well. Have you been in situation situations where you're a young woman, young attractive woman in a male oriented business where you felt that your gender was and your youth maybe was was hard to get for people to get over that's a really good question um, i think one advantage for both camilla and i have been that um we have always been this duo <laughs> so we have often like been in meetings together um, and i never felt alone because i always had like her with me all the time but i do remember one meeting uh, and it was um a startup that was uh, meeting a couple of investors and during that meeting, I was like, okay, this is really how it is to be, you know, a woman in a male dominated industry. So I think there was like six or seven men in that room and they're all like very, you know, dominant. Um, and that was actually, I, I do, I really remember this uh, because I really felt like I had to, it was like a war for it to get your uh, voice out there. Um, mm. So that was a very like vivid memory for me. Uh, but otherwise, I think it has been an advantage because um, I mean, the the people working in this industry, they're like very much alike. You know, it's a white, white man, uh, male in their like, you know, 40s, 50s or 60s. Um, so maybe this has been a way to, you know, stand out a bit. And also our focus has been tech. Um, and, you know, tech is sometimes associated with like younger people. So I think that some investors have a bit more confidence in us because, you know, we're in this world ourselves. You know, we were a tech-connected uh, um, tech connected founders. So I think that has been to our advantage, actually. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy, actually, how, how few women there are, both investors and entrepreneurs. And we have really seen that ourselves, yeah, for sure. 
I remember that Camilla, your business partner, she did a, a TED talk where she talked about how she had noticed that during pitch meetings, female founders would get different kind of questions than than male founders, such as, you know, what are you going to do not to, you know, what, how are you going to make sure that you don't lose money in the first year? And, and other types of questions that were significantly um, targeted to you as a woman. And I, I had a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago who talked about how when she was seeking investment as a female founder for her tech company, she um, often got questions about what her family plans were. Oh, yeah. This is so interesting. And I, I think this is a super good thing that you raised this um, issue because I've also read so many re reports about this. Um, so it's called, you know, prevention-based questions versus promotion-based questions. So exactly as in Camilla's TED talk, um, if a woman is either in an interview in general or in this world, you know, venture capital world, she will get asked questions like, uh, you know, how will you not fail? And that is like a kind of a prevention-based questions, like how will you not uh, do a bankruptcy with your company versus um, the promotion-based questions, which are like, okay, what are what is the potential? Like, where will you be in three years? And then the men can like show, you know, their hockey stick curves of their growth. Um, so, but if you if you um, have that, you know, if you have that in mind, you can actually see that the people, the entrepreneurs who get the promotion-based questions, they get a lot more of the capital, and it happens to be that you know men get asked these uh, promotion-based questions. So I think this is very important to acknowledge. And the interesting thing is that it is both male and female investors who are, you know, who ask these different kind of questions. So it's not that it's the men who like ask these questions to women, it's both uh, female and men. Um, so I think it's important to, to remember that, that, you know, we have these unconscious biases uh, against women. Uh, so that is something we have to work on in our society. And it really starts very early. In Camilla's uh, TED talk, she talks about that as well, that if, uh, if a girl, if she like falls down when she's playing, uh, she's more likely to get... Uh, the comments like you have to be more careful don't do that again you know and that is very common in school as well we shouldn't do any mistakes um so that is something that starts very early and i think we should you know um really think about how we raise uh, girls versus boys i i cannot agree with you more and i think that the danger in the discussion is just turning it against men and saying they're the ones with the unconscious bias but right. it's equally in ourselves and we all as human beings need to take our responsibility for ourselves and making our our unconscious bias conscious but then also exactly as you say about how we raise our children after i saw camilla's ted talk i said i will never say a good girl ever again <laughs> not to Love anybody that. let alone my twin daughters ever yeah. you know we try to really instill in them that failure is to be celebrated because failure is the only way that you're going to learn what not to do so um, you can you can reframe it as well I think with failure and, and talk about um, building resilience and I know that resilience and grit is something that that you're quite interested in as well you've talked about the Angela Duckworth book as yeah. well about grit right and how which goes is conflicting to the idea of a good girl right, right. because a good girl nails her yeah. test on the first go whereas somebody who has a growth mindset yes. and has resilience and grit will keep going 
until they get it. Yeah, and I think that is it's so important to, I mean, to learn about this because um, you know I've only learned about you know growth mindsets versus fixed mindset, and as you mentioned, grit, like after school. And I'm so um, I I wanted to like know about this earlier because like just the knowledge that you can have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset that changes so much. So whenever I'm in a situation uh, and I have a thought like, oh, maybe I wasn't you know, meant to do this. I'm not like, I don't have any talent in this. I'm like, okay, this is my fixed mindset voice that is speaking. Like I can change that to my growth mindset. And also like, you know, to have grit and be like, you know, it's, it won't work the first time. So you have to like keep going and uh, like it will take some months or years until you, know, you, until you know how to do this. And it's really important as an entrepreneur as well, because it's easy to, to start, you know, identify yourself as I'm not good at tech or I'm good at this, you know, to have this like labels on yourself, but you can really do anything. And it's um, a growth mindset is really about that. It's about like you can become anything. You can become good at anything if you uh, put effort in it. Uh, so I think that is so good to to remember. Absolutely. And um, I know that a little bit of the start of, of your business network, uh, Business and Dreams, which is available to anybody. It's yes. an English speaking network and all women are welcome, right? I'm in it. And um, so proud to and have you as a member. Oh, thank you. It's it's not just Swedes. We're, we're based in Sweden. You and I happen to be, but there's there's loads of other people in the network as well. What was the start of that? Was it just what you saw that a lot of women were not starting businesses? Right. So it was like kind of gradual, I would say, our, you know, uh, passion within equality or, you know, our conviction to change something here. Um, because in school, we didn't, um, we know that like, you know, the world is not equal and for sure not Sweden uh, either, even though like maybe we're progressing in some areas, but we still didn't, you know, see it so much in our everyday lives. But it became very apparent for us when we started, you know, Calora and we were working really in the intersection between tech and finance, you know, two industries that are not famous for having a lot of women in them. Um, and then we started to read these reports. I saw the most recent one is what you said, like 1% of the capital goes to team with only women. And it's 93% of the capital in 2019 that goes to team with only men and 6% mixed team teams. Um, so it's really crazy how like skewed uh, the allocation of capital is. And I think that really opened our eyes. And at the same time, we saw so many inspiring women, you know, these women who start uh, really cool companies um, and we didn't like hear so much about them. Uh, so we realized that we seek a lot of inspiration through, uh, you know, social media, for example, Instagram. And we saw that there were a lot of inspiration in fashion or you know, exercising or makeup, which is great. I love those areas, but we didn't see so much within business. So our like initial thought was that we needed an inspirational account within business or so for business women. Um, so that's how it all started. And we really believe in inspiration. So like we want to show like, you know, positive examples of role models. Um, so really highlight, you know, what you can do and all the possibilities there are out there. Uh, so that was, I think, three years ago when we posted our first <laughs> first post. Um, and then it has really like taken off from there. And we saw a really big like need from women uh, to connect with other like-minded women and to, to learn about all these role models and possibilities out there. So that's how it all started. 
And there was such a need for it. I mean, there was a big exponential growth. I remember when you guys had like 5,000 followers oh. and now you have almost 30, yeah. you know, there's, it's, it's just grown and there's a huge need for it. What are the kind of common denominators that you see now within Business and Dreams? Like what are people, what are women in our community struggling with the most? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so... I would say that one thing, one big fear, thing is fear. Um, so the fear of failing, actually, um, sadly. <laughs> so um, many women are in our community, they want to, for example, start your own company, but they fear that maybe they don't have the right resources in terms of like knowledge or, you know, uh, money or whatever it can be. Um, or just the fear of like starting something and it doesn't work out and like what if that happens you know it's maybe embarrassing or what will happen to your like former job you know all these uh, fears that you have and I must say that is also something that we saw in the venture capital industry that um, I think that um, that women are a bit more afraid actually to raise external capital because it's the fear of what if it doesn't work out. Um, and that is a kind of good fear also because you shouldn't be like, you know, you should take care of another like person or institution's money. Uh, but it's very different. I've noticed men between men and women, you know, this fear element. Um, so that is something we, um, we work on a lot uh, because we have this monthly theme in our membership club and one month it, it was uh, conquering your fears. So I thought that was a really good theme actually to, to, know, to know what your fears are and to, know, to understand if there are um, like good fears to have. You, know, you don't want to be eaten by a lion, <laughs> but you know, like public speaking, that is that kind of an irrational fear that we all have that we can, that we can stop having. Uh, so, um, so yeah, fear is a very a common denominator for why we are not like, realizing our dreams, I would say. There's a lot of um, myths as well that we kind of subscribe and believe to. So you bring up public speaking, which is something that I'm quite passionate about and visibility and women kind of owning their own space because there's room for everybody. And one of the things that I find most annoying with that is that people believe that kind of you're born a good public speaker. Like mm. that's something that you either you have it or you don't. And it's right. not true at all. It's one of those things that you have to practice. And the more you practice, the getter, better you get. But it's also one that's connected very much to physical senses of of nervousness and, you know, heart palpitations and you're getting sweaty palms and all of that stuff. And And it's something that people can overcome. It's like a muscle. You can build it over time. Yeah, and that's very connected, you know, to fixed mindset that you're like, I'm not a speaker. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you never practice that. And we actually had um, a webinar yesterday where we talked about uh, public speaking a bit. And uh, we said that, you know, it's a good thing to be nervous because then you're like stepping outside of your comfort zone. Because sometimes we believe that, you know, if I'm not nervous, then everything is good. And I should like continue doing this because then I'm like born to do this or whatever. But it's like when you challenge yourself, that's when you're nervous. So being nervous is a good thing. Then you're developing yourself. Uh, and I just love that you bring this up that like you're not you're not born um, like to be a public speaker. <laughs> we are all it's a nervous like element for all of us and we have to like um, work on it. Um, so I totally agree with you on that. It's like making friends with the fear in a way. So yeah. when I feel fear, which I do 
a lot because as a business owner and an entrepreneur, you have to go out of that comfort zone constantly because it's the only way to grow. It's the only way to scale your business. So I just kind of talk to it, you know, and just say, hey, fear, how you doing? You're really annoying, but I'm not going to listen to you right <laughs> now because I have to go and do this because who am I not to share this with the world? And I think that that's a technique that kind of really works for me. Uh, to to not quash it, to acknowledge it and say, I see that it's there, but I'm choosing not to engage in it. Right. And that is like a big realization I have actually not so not so long ago. It was this spring, uh, sorry, this uh, fall 2020. And I started doing meditation more like seriously. <laughs> I went to like a meditation uh, class one hour for the first time in my life. And then I just realized, you know, this internal like inner dialogue that we all have. Um, and it's so easy to believe all these thoughts. Uh, for example, if you had a, you know, if you spoke in front of people, you could either say to yourself, you know, oh, you sucked at that. Or you could say to yourself, oh, that was great. And it's like, you know, you can choose which voice you have, but you need to like realize what kind of voice you have. So we all have this kind of roommates inside of us that is always talking to us. And I think it's so good that you say that, you know, if it's fear that you're like, okay, uh, this voice is saying this to me, but I can choose not to listen to it. Um, so that is a really good uh, point that you're bringing up there and something we talk about a lot in our community. Like, you know, you have to realize what kind of things you say to yourself. Would you say this to best friend? Probably not in many cases. And I read a really interesting thing that you can do. But what if you like wrote down all your thoughts that you have in a day in a book? Like, would you read that book? Would it be like a pleasant reading? Uh, and many of us are like speaking negatively to ourselves and that will hinder us from, you know, uh, realizing our dreams. Uh, so that is a great thing to really think about. What are you saying to yourself on a daily basis? You're absolutely right. Awareness really is the first step. And I yes. know that you and I have a lot of sort of what what is called self-help books. I don't like that expression. But, yes. <laughs> but you know, books that we've read that we both really, really like. The Untethered yes. Soul is one that yes. addresses very much of the things that you're talking about now. And that gave right. me the awareness of that my roommate is pretty, she's a bitch. So I choose not to listen to her. <laughs> I love that. She will be kicked out soon. Yeah, well, you know, I'm working on it. She's, she's holding on and that's fine. You know, if you can't, yeah. that's also a thing of recognizing if you can't change things, then recognize that you can't change them, but change the things that you can. So learn to live with the things and learn to handle the things you can't change. That's that's really good. And I think just our brain is so interesting because, you know, if you're in the middle of like a stressful situation at work or something, like sometimes it's you're telling yourself, okay, stop thinking about it. You know, when you come home from work, you're like, okay, now I should take a break. But then like one second afterwards, your brain is like, but what if that? What if that? You know, and it's so interesting that you can't really, you know, um, steer your brain into doing what you want it to. Um, so sometimes I think meditation is a great tool for that um, to acknowledge that you are not your thoughts. And what I usually do, do during meditation, this is kind of weird, I think, but this technique works really well for me. So I try to see myself as like a clear blue sky with like no you know, thoughts or issues, nothing clouding uh, my thoughts or my emotions. And then I see if I have like, you know, a stressful situation at work, I try to see it as a cloud. So in this case, it might be like a black cloud or a dark cloud. Uh, and if I feel stressed, that cloud is like coming too close to me. So I try to like distance myself. Okay 
it's a black cloud and I can see it, it's there, but it has nothing to do with me. And also like, you know, happy situations if you like won the lottery or whatever, it can, I see it as, as a white cloud. And you know, you can choose to have it close to you, then you feel happiness or whatever excitement, but you can also like distance yourself from it. So it's important to realize that you are not your thoughts and your thoughts will cause emotions. Uh, so like meditation is a great tool to like, okay, take a step back, distance yourself from your thoughts. You're not your thoughts. Yeah. So yeah, that is important. I think. It's absolutely. And I think it's one of the best techniques that we have available to really make that space between these thoughts and who I really am, you know, that those are two separate things and we can choose to separate ourselves from them. I had an interesting experience yesterday because I had a really fantastic webinar that I did on confident and vis- confidence and visibility and afterwards I put stories on Instagram and I said I'm celebrating this because I got loads of fantastic feedback and everybody gave me you know a five out of one to five and I felt fantastic so I celebrated it and the comments I got from women were like wow this is so amazing that you're celebrating yourself and of mm. course that made me happy but also kind of made me go you don't right why not why aren't you celebrating yourselves we should be doing that all the time instead we tend to focus on the negatives because it's so much easier to fall there so i think it's yeah acknowledging imposter syndrome and inner critic and all of these things are really important but it's also really important to tap yourself on the shoulder and say you know hey i did a really good job today that's such a good thing that you're bringing up. But can I can I ask you, how did you celebrate? Because I think it's so hard. Like, how do you celebrate? <laughs> how did I celebrate? I shared it with my family. I read out mm-hmm. uh, the feedback that I had gotten. Um, my son is 12, so I really wanted him to hear it as well. I want to know him to know what I am doing. And I told my five-year-olds as well. And they said, oh, mommy, you're doing so well, you know? And then I think to myself, maybe when they grow up, they'll remember that and they'll have an easier time celebrating themselves as well. So, and I shared it with my community. I put it on Instagram as well. That's, that's lovely. And I just want to say that I think that's such a great role model. You are there for your children as well, because I mean, your children will really see what you're doing there and um, that you're, you know, valuing your own happiness and celebrating your milestones. So I think that's amazing. But what I'm asking is because when Camilla and I, when we have a goal and we accomplish it, we're always like, okay, we will celebrate if we do that, if we hit that milestone. But then when we do, we're like, all right, man, like, how should we celebrate? Maybe just like go for the next thing. <laughs> so it's so easy, you know, to like accomplish something and then just carry on. With. Yeah. So uh, thank you for the reminder. <laughs> Maybe it can be simple. Maybe it's literally just like, you know, just taking a moment, you know, just take a moment because otherwise in life we live in a society and social media has a detrimental impact on this as well, is that we're always searching for the next thing. We're scaling our businesses. We're moving forward. We want to be better, you know, better human beings, uh, develop our mindset. And we see these curated feeds on, on social media of like these perfect lives these highly curated filtered snippets of somebody's life and then we compare ourselves to that and think well I'm not there yet I'm not there yet so it's like the antidote of living in a world where you're constantly pushing forward the antidote is to step back and say you know what I'm good the way that I am you know it's it's all right 
That is so so important, and also that has been a big like realization for me because like years ago I thought that you had to be uh, not miserable, but you have to like there had to be a gap between your like desired state of being and where you are like right now, you know, the current state. Because I thought that like that the uh, script was it called like that difference would create motivation but now like more and more, more I realizing that you can like be the happiest person in the world and still have like the biggest dreams so there's like no um you can have both you know be very uh, happy where you are right now but still striving to the next step so I mean right now I think that I've actually I'm, I'm proud of myself that is one thing I'm the most proud of with myself that I should celebrate <laughs> that I'm like super happy nowadays because more and more, more also I realized that everything is neutral that you can really interpret like the world in the way you want it to I mean if you look at Instagram it takes a lot of work to like not get for example jealous what you say when you see all these like curated feeds with like these uh, snapshots from someone's day uh, and we all know that like people take 1000 pictures and they post one but still you, f- you think like okay that is like the, the only picture they took <laughs> they're like every day their lives are perfect so it takes a lot of work to you know not fall victim into jealousy or you know comparison in general um so so yeah i think that is one of like the most important journeys uh, that you can like start to be happy where you are uh, and not um always look for the next step i guess you can look for next step you have to be like um comfortable and happy where you are right now i think that's the key to happiness <laughs> yeah absolutely i couldn't agree with you more because if you spend your life looking for more happiness or more just in general more then you're never going to enjoy where you are right now. And for me, the practice of gratitude has really flipped that on its head. So instead of looking at where I should, could be, I look at where I am now and think, how grateful am I to be able to wake up every morning and do this? And of course, external validation is nice, but it's much better to be able to validate yourself. Yeah. And you're never going to win. If you're comparing yourself to other people, that is a game you're never going to win. You're never going to get to the point where, yeah, absolutely, I nailed it now, you know? That's true, exactly. Because there are endless of like desires that you can have. And actually, you remind me of something. There's, I have a really like a role model that is called Naval Lavikant. So he's an angel investor, but he's also like very a philosopher really so it's very present on different podcasts and stuff so that's a big recommendation from my Naval Ravikant and he has a very like wise quote that is a desire is a contract and that you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. Mm. So that is kind of interesting. You should like really be, you know, aware of what kind of desires uh, you have in life. Um, because I don't know, I don't know if you have to be unhappy if you have a, a desire, but it's still interesting, I think, uh, you know, to not compare yourself too much and really, you know, be happy what you have. That's very interesting. That's a great quote as well. And the good recommendation, yeah. I'll, I'll check him yeah. out. <laughs> so um, this, this interest that you personally have on mindset obviously flows over into business and dreams as well, because a lot of the stuff that we address in there is, is mindset related. Where does it come from, from you as a person? Mm, good question. Um, I think that Camilla has had a big impact on me there. Um, she has an interesting journey within mindset. Me, um, she started with like this interest. I think she was, you know, in her teenage years, like fourteen or something. And she read, she read the book The Secret. I don't know if you. Uh, I have, have read heard it. of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's really big within mindset, and it's really you know about law of attraction and to 
you know, uh, visualize what you what you want. And I remember, like, I've, I've heard about it, but when she told me about it, um, like, my curiosity started within this field. Um, so I think that mindset is so in- interesting uh, because, like, for example, in, when you're in a situation, if you lose your job, for example, um, what you think in that situation really determines the outcome afterwards. So, you know, if you get, like unhappy and depressed and you're like oh my god i won't be able to pay my bills now then you will feel sad and unmotivated and you will like you will probably not look for a new job because you feel so you know sad and uh, everything um and that will like you know um that will make you won't get a new job because you will have no energy to look for a job but what if you see it as like oh my god this is the greatest opportunity now i have time for like you know look for my dream job or start my dream company then you will feel motivated um so mindset is really important to like get what you want in life really and also to um you know to be happier um and it's really interesting to think about like why are we doing everything that we do what is like the point of you know uh striving for so much and i think it really like camilla and i debates a lot about this and she has always said you know that the goal is to be happy and in the beginning i thought i was kind of sounded selfish to me i don't know why because i was always being like no the goal is to do something meaningful and she was like but why do you want to do something meaningful because i want to be happy she's like yeah right <laughs> so we have had this endless debate so more and more i come to realize that and i think that mindset is a great way of becoming happier and being happy is probably like the most effective way of making others uh, happy as well so i think yeah you know mindset leads to happiness which leads to more happiness in the world that is my summary i would say yeah (laughs) yeah i wanted to talk about something with you which i have have noticed and i wanted to kind of see if, if that resonates with you at all um as you know, I'm originally Swedish, but I, I lived in London for 10 years and I'm married to an Englishman and, and we speak two languages in the family and part of my heart will always, always be in Britain. And I have a lot of clients there and I also have a network that I'm a, a big part of my life and I'm active in it. And and that network is very, it's very giving. You give before you get and it's very uh, trusting and it's just a fantastic place to be uh, about 80 women so there's you know not a lot of us and and then I have been in other networks where I haven't had at all the same feeling and particularly in Sweden I have felt from women who are in competition with me maybe in a similar area I have felt that they much more subscribe to the idea of scarcity than I see people doing in the UK and women doing in the UK. I'm saying women now because that's who I mostly work with. So I'm wondering if there's something in that, that in countries like the UK, uh, there's more people. So there's more business for everybody. And there's also more competition. So you learn to live with it. But in a country like Sweden, it's smaller. You know, we've got 9 million people here and I just think that we also maybe subscribe a little bit more to the idea of scarcity and competition does that resonate at all with you and your experiences it does actually and yeah I think this is really interesting and it's what you say this is also regarding to mindset you know have this scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset yeah and and there's really interesting uh, research done by a guy called Adam Grant. I think he also has a podcast, but he has written a lot of books. And he has created this concept of givers, takers, and matchers. I don't know if you've heard about it. It rings um, a bell, but this is really interesting. Go, go on. Yeah. yeah. 
So he started like, you know, he divided people. They started people at like different workplaces and they divided them into givers, takers and matchers. So a giver is someone who just give and that person doesn't expect anything back. You know, they can introduce you to your friend or a colleague or something and they don't like wait for, you know, <laughs> um, another introduction to them. And then there are matchers and they are more like, okay, they give something and they expect something back. And if you don't get it back, they'd be like, okay, you know, disappointed. And then you have takers and they don't give anything. They just want stuff from others. <laughs> um, and so Adam Grant looked at these like three groups and um, did research like which group is the most success- successful in the workplace. And he could see like the givers, they were the worst ones, but also the best ones. So the difference was that they were the worst in the short run, because in the short run, they were like giving away a lot of their resources, you know, a lot of their time or maybe money. But in the long run, they got so much back because people love them. Um, So he said that if you want to be successful in the long term, a giver is the most important like thing you can be. And uh, like it was the vice versa, takers, they were successful in the short run, run, but they were the least successful in the long run. Um, So I think that is such an interesting thing. And I was actually meeting a guy from uh, the US yesterday and he immediately, it was the first time I met him, he immediately started to talk about like, oh, I can introduce you to this person, that person. And I was so not used to that, you know, (laughs) you know, that giver mindset. So I actually said it to him like, whoa, it's so nice of you to, you know, to uh, suggest that you can introduce me to all these people. And he said the exact same thing as you do now. Like that is a thing I've noticed in Sweden. People are very protective about their network and resources because maybe they have this scarcity mindset. What if I give you know my contact to you, introduce you to each other, and I will lose that contact or whatever. Um, so and especially maybe uh, among women, and it's kind of you know this token phenomena where you feel that um, maybe women have been like the only woman in their workplace and so they're like afraid of getting replaced so it's like more apparent for women um, so if we actually got those comments in business and dreams like well i'm so surprised that you know women are so giving to each other in this community mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and camilla and i we have been that from the beginning like no we're not in competition with each other we should like you know help each other because we we, we really believe in this abundance mindset and what you said at the beginning there are room for us all um so so yeah we really try to encourage that and i think that it's important for camilla and i to really show that that you know we should give to each other and if we highlight a woman like a, a role model for us that would just like make the world better you know we don't lose anything do, uh, for doing that so i really think that this mindset is so important and i think it's so good that you bring it up I think it's really interesting what you're saying and I I, I definitely have to check this guy's theories out it sounds because I'm definitely a giver and people have said to me previously it's like well how can you give so much away for free like you need to be charging or you need to like not you know be so generous with like contacts and whatever and I don't see it my progression and my business progression I don't see as as a success for me I want to leave the door open for everybody else who's behind me because otherwise what does it mean that I succeed I'm never going to want to succeed on on the on the shoulders of other people in that sense on the you know it has to be some sort of and I think that that is the way that we kind of have to work as women as well because there are unconscious bias and conscious bias against us as well um and I I get the whole idea of like there being only one seat at the table for women Mm. and people kind of tapping into that scarcity idea that they're you know 
maybe subconsciously thinking, you know, I could be replaced, but those women need to hold the door open for other women, I think, and make yeah. a place at the table, you know, take a place at the, at the table. So I think it's, yeah. it's uh, very many different aspects of it but that's what I noticed immediately when I came into business and dreams I've obviously from the outside before I became a member that was something that I noticed about you and Camilla that was very clear and then as soon as I came in I was like this is a network for me because these are women who give they don't take and it's like it's just the positive energy just flows it just there you know and that's the kind of network you want to be in I'm so happy to hear this. Thank you so much for yeah for saying this. I'm super happy that that is the impression that you got. Definitely. I'm so, so, so happy to hear that. Uh, and I actually heard something interesting also because um, there was a, um, I don't remember which book this was, but I was reading a book and uh, the author said like, okay, try to remember something where like uh, a moment where you were treated unfairly. Um, so he was, this was actually a guy who was asking this to, um to like a group of people i think it was like in a workplace and they always like saying okay i remember this time i was treated really badly and someone took something from me blah 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 uh, but then he said like okay it's interesting not every one of you are talking about moments where someone took something for, from you but you know when you're treated um when you are like treated unfairly it could also be once you got something positive so it's so easy to remember you know these negative moments where you know someone uh, took advantage of you but so i think that is why many people are hesitant to becoming givers because they think they will get used and but in the long run you will always get so much back from uh, giving and it's so easy to give also you can do anything from like giving a compliment to to another person to introducing someone to your friend uh, and you won't lose anything of that so uh, yeah I think that is really interesting and sometimes when I think something positive about someone I was like why am I keeping this to myself why, why am I not telling this person that she or he looks great today and I'm like yeah I have to tell them <laughs> so yeah it's great to like start with this uh, habit of giving well it spreads doesn't it the joy right. that you bring when you say something nice to somebody that might change their day and when their yeah. day is changed, maybe they'll go and, you know, bring that positivity that they feel to somebody else. So that energy spreads. And yes. when you're negative, which I have bad days too, let's let's face it, we all do and negative stuff. Yes. But the truth is that even a even a negative day can be turned around by trying mm-hmm. to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, That's true. I remember a day like that. I was not, not, in a, not in a good mood one day. And then I was at like the supermarket and the cashier, she smiled at me. She's like, hey, and that smile like changed my day. It's so crazy, I remember this. But I was like, whoa, it's so, something so simple as like a genuine smile that can change someone's day. <laughs> so yeah, it's really, it's amazing. I often think about things like that because before I started my business, I was employed and it was a really bad situation. And it, I've spoken about this on the podcast before. And it, it was a really bad yes. situation for a long time I used to sit in my car and cry before I went into work and um, I think about that now and I always think about like if it had been just a little bit bad but not bad enough I would probably still be there and unhappy but because it was so bad it I had to change it so in a sense those things that are difficult for us and the things the hardships that we go through those can be catalysts Mm. for change as well love that that's a good quote <laughs> it's so true it's so true i love that yeah. i love that and i just love your story 
That is so inspiring. Um, and I love the, the podcast that you've been in when you tell the story. And yeah, I'm very impressed by, by you. <laughs> There's another thing that I wanted to talk to you about as well, because in a, in a sense, we have so much in common, but yet we are yeah. also polar opposites because you started your business straight out of uni. And I mm. started my business uh, when I was in my 40s because I was happy mm. with my career up until that point. So for 20 years, it, it had been, you know, good for me. And mm. I wanted to touch based on the idea of like ageism because I remember saying to you at one point I said oh I'm probably the oldest member in your network and you were like no you totally are not (laughs) and uh, and I said to to a friend who came on the podcast I said Mm. I was a late comer to the game and she was a bit Mm. like no we need to talk about this you can start a business when you're older and Mm. I read um, a really interesting article the other day that says as a 50 year old uh, startup Mm. founder you're 2.2 times more likely to to found a successful startup than a 30 year old and that is consistent data across uh, 40 and 50 year olds comparison to 25 to 30 year olds in tech startups Mm. and i think this is so interesting it is this is really interesting and i actually read a book i think you will like this book it's uh, called range by david epstein Uh, so we all have this notion that you have to start so early like you know tiger woods is this his, uh, story about that his parents they gave him like a golf what's it called golf club yeah yeah <laughs> before he was like he couldn't even walk yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know you know you know uh, mark zuckerberg that he started this you know uh, during his studies at harvard so all these stories about people who start super early and they become successful but um this author epstein he shows that uh, exactly as you said now that you're actually more likely to succeed if you start it later because then you can have a lot of experience from different industries and you learn a lot uh, from them. Um, So that's why data shows that you're more successful if you wait. Um, So I think that this is really good to acknowledge because maybe there are a lot of people who think like, okay, no, I see the startup people, they're like young folks and I shouldn't, I can't do that. Um, And it's also a mindset thing because it's so easy to always, and I feel that, oh, it's too late. I can't start saving now. I can't start a business now. I can't do get new friends now it's too late or maybe also think i'm too young to start a company you know you have so many um thoughts about like when it's the optimal time to do something you never think that you're like the one to do it and so i think it's so great that you bring this up um yeah and i think there are like advantages and disadvantages of whatever age you are at when you start doing something and for us i think the transition was really really easy actually because we were studying and we got the, like this uh, C- what is called CSN, <laughs> like a, yes, a, a student, thing you get, yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> student exactly, student loan. Student loan. So that yeah. is like exactly, and that is like very very low. And then we got that, and then we switched to zero salary. <laughs> so like the transition was not that big. So I really admire people like who have a job. Uh, and they quit that to start a company. I think that is so brave. Um, so sometimes people are saying, oh, it's so brave to start a company out of university. I'm like, no, that's not brave. I think people, you know, who have a job and may have other obligations in life, they are brave. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's, so, I mean, there are advantages and disadvantages always. This, it's really interesting also 
about how these kind of narratives that we get told mm. as we grow up and that we then come to believe as adults as truths, whatever they may be, there's different kinds of narratives in our society connected to gender and education and, and all kinds of things. And one of the narratives is that you can't really start a business when you're older because you have more responsibilities. All right, so you might have a mortgage, you might have children, you might have all of those things, and therefore it's easier to do it when you're young. Uh, so that's one of the narratives. And then the other narrative is it's maybe then we can turn it on its head and say it's it's better to do it when you're older because you've got the experience. Mm, but the right. interesting thing here, I think, is that how we believe and buy into those narratives. We don't test them. We don't proof them for truth. We just kind of buy into into them which is what makes it so difficult for us to take action that is so good uh, i totally agree these narratives we tell ourselves and i think it has a lot to do with our like self-identity as well because camilla we have talked a lot about this uh, like before we started our first company we saw like there was a group in our school that was called like the entrepreneurial society or something and we saw looked at these people and, like okay these are like you know we're not them you know we saw ourselves as different from that we are not entrepreneurs they are like the creative ones and the people doing stuff but once you're like you know we once we started our first company then like your identity changes and you're like okay i can do this well i'm not, i'm an entrepreneur i guess now so i think it's interesting like how you how you view yourself and narrative you tell yourself and that's really connected to what we talked about before like your your dialogue um so i think it's important also to to realize that the people you surround yourself with they are so important um I think that you should be really like, you know, because there are so many studies who say like if your people around you, if they're positive and happy, the chances that you will be positive and happy are so much higher compared to if you surround yourself with negative people. Um, so I actually did an exercise, which was kind of interesting. I got it recommended in a book that you write down like the five closest people in your life. And then you write down like each of them, the five like dominant qualities. And it could be like positive or negative qualities. And it's okay. I mean, people around you, everyone has um, negative qualities, but it's important to think like, okay, has this like, does this quality affect me? Um, so and like and then you write down your five dominant qualities and try to analyze like what would you want to strengthen within yourself and what do you want to like remove of it mm. <laughs> so yeah really acknowledge that if you surround yourself with entrepreneurs like chances are that you will start a company are much higher I guess so yeah so yeah that's important and we and we know also that that when you grow up with parents who are running businesses or are entrepreneurs, you're much more likely statistically to do that yourself. But the same is true also for, for doctors and, you know, education, like that type of different kinds of, of, of uh, categories of work. I know Camilla has said that her parents uh, were psychologists so yeah. that's probably maybe why she read the secret so early on in life yeah. <laughs> so True. what about what about you what what do your parents do so it's kind of funny because my dad has he has been an entrepreneur he worked at ericsson uh, but then like a lot of years like 20 years ago he started his, his company but it's kind of been i mean i am also starting a company now but he has not encouraged me i would say because I mean, he sees the risks in it because, I mean, uh, there are risks in everything, but he's always been like, okay, you know, it's, you know, because I think parents want the safest way for their children. Um, so my parents has always been like, you should get a good education, you know, um, get a good job and don't take too many risks. But I mean, 
all parents want to see their like children happy of course so now they're happy but they have not encouraged me i would say but still inspired me <laughs> it's it, it still got to you somehow because you started your exactly. first business at 23 so <laughs> right so, you know it's about that you know it's about how your parents behave and not what they say so this is like a classic example of that it is yeah <laughs> um yeah. i mean you you've achieved so much um at quite a young age and um you were quite recently you and camilla named as one of Forbes 30 under 30 in Europe which is amazing congratulations that is a, a great honor how does accolades like that make you feel oh that's a good question actually Camilla I talked about that it's it's interesting like how much value you um, ascribe to them that you that you get so happy because you know it's just an award <laughs> but still of course you get super happy so it's I mean it means um I guess it's like extra boost for your motivation. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, we really love what we do now to like run business and dreams and to help like female entrepreneurs and female looking for like a leadership position. This is like our dream life. So, I mean, our life would be complete without um, like awards like that, but it's like, you know, a boost in your everyday life, I would say. Um, so, so yeah, that's, uh, we got really happy and also surprised. So, but it's important what you say with celebration because we have talked about like how should we celebrate this? We need to celebrate, but we still haven't done it. So that is a homework we have to do, and we will find a day soon. I hope that we will like celebrate. Yes, this. definitely. <laughs> this one you have to celebrate. This is a yeah. biggie. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So given what we've talked about, um, I, I do love to talk about failures because I don't think people do that enough. Um, yes. So. Can you share something in your life, a failure that you have somehow learned from? Yeah, I would say I have, um, we did something, <laughs> we f***ed up in Calora's uh, early history. <laughs> I remember I was in the conference that was called like f*** up conference or something and they all shared failures. I think that's good. <laughs> I love this topic. It's so important to you and to highlight, you know, that the road to success or whatever you call it, it's not straight, you know, it's up and down all the time. But I remember um, one time early in Calora's history. So we started with this app. We had this thought about, you know, creating this Tinder or matchmaking app for investors and entrepreneurs. Um, and um, we, um, we were kind of naive, I would say, because we wanted to launch this very quickly. And we actually signed up for a fair, um, like a, a startup fair. And at that moment, we only had this business idea, like, okay, we want to create an app and it should be investors and entrepreneurs in it. And they told us like, okay, so yeah, it sounds great, but do you have, um, do you have like a prototype or an app out there yet? And we were like, no, not yet, but you know, we have a developer and yeah, it will be out soon. And they said, okay, the fair is in one month and uh, you can sign up for it. We will accept you. But if you don't have the app on the day of the fair, you will get a big like fine, you, like a big fee, <laughs> like a punishment fee. And it was a lot back then. I don't know very exactly how much it was, but it's like very, very substantial. <laughs> and we said like, no, it's no problem. And then we like run out of the room and started like, you know, working on this app. And like the days before we were in kind of a panic mode because the app was not an app store. <laughs> so we really thought that we would have to like pay this fine. 
but the morning of the fair the app was actually out there so that was that was not a, a you know a failure i would say but the app was very much flawed <laughs> it had a lot of bugs we didn't get to find but you know it was a lot of bugs in the app so um i would say like after this uh, we really evaluated because we didn't see the traction that we wanted because the investors were not going to the app but we didn't get as many entrepreneurs we wanted so we had to reevaluate like all these months that we had put into it and be like okay should we continue with that or not and then we decided to um to not continue with it and we started with you know a kind of website based um company is uh, instead and more manual work uh, with like calling investors and stuff so i mean i don't know if i see that as a failure but we could uh, we could have seen it like that because we have worked with it for so long and then we stopped doing something that we uh, we have worked on uh, and that is one of i think the biggest challenges in the, the entrepreneurial journey to know like when to change something because we had this conversation like what what if we haven't tried enough with the app maybe we should like try to get more traction in the app or just maybe the app is like the total wrong way of doing this so that we had this like conversation for weeks and then we decided like no okay we'll skip the app um so and then you can always say like okay we should have like just started with like the new way with a website instead but it's impossible really i mean you can't you can't know that beforehand so i always tell myself like okay with the information that i had back then would i have done the same thing probably yes <laughs> in many cases mm. so then you shouldn't see it as you know a failure or something and you always learn so much for everything and i have a quote from ray dalio which is like uh, pain plus reflection is equal to growth uh, but when it's just pain and no reflection then it's recurring pain <laughs> so i think it's interesting like you know to welcome failures and don't see them as failures in the first place but also to always like learn um learn from everything that you do and i journal every day and i try to write down like okay if i could relive relive yesterday what would i have done differently what did i learn from yesterday mm-hmm. So I think that is such an important process to always learn, always grow. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic practice. And mm. we could all probably do with more of more of that type of reflection because that's what we're doing every single day, learning and growing, right? And I think also, you know, the thing is that launching things and doing things like that is like you don't know until you know. Sometimes you just have to try things. And the difference is taking that action and doing it or sitting on your hands and not doing it. So um, more failures to the people, I think. <laughs> That's right. Thing. That's right. And, you know, and the process of, I think also I want to highlight the process of getting feedback that can be sometimes maybe we're not used to it. And that's also like a related Camilla's TED talk. She says that boys are more like, uh, they hear more about like they're not doing right in school. They're called like, she says idiots, like five, five, five times more often than girls. So like, you know, critique, it, it has, it's not that serious for them because they hear it so much. And I think just like the process of being able to, to take feedback, that is really important and something that I worked a lot with actually, because it's so easy to see your actions connected to your self-worth. Mm. Like if I do something right, well, I'm worth more as a human. If I do something wrong, then I'm worth less. But uh, you know, that is not right. Uh, and it's, that is so important that if someone is telling you something like feedback or critique, that is not, not related to you. It's related to your actions, that it's not you. Um, so I think to dare to to you know look for feedback, that is a mark of like the best entrepreneurs. I think that people always want to grow and don't attach you know uh, their self worth to it. Uh, so that is a process I'm still on, and I think it's so important. 
It totally is. And I think it's the perfect end to this this chat. Thank you so much, Vendla, for coming today and having this chat with me. It's been so valuable. There's so much value in this conversation and I really, really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Jessica. We're, as I said, we're so, so proud to have you as a member and we can't wait for your webinar for our members where we talk about all these things that you're an expert in. So thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you. And we have to tell our listeners where they can find you as well. Yes. So um, Business and Dreams on Instagram. And uh, yeah, if you go there, you will also in our bio find a link to the membership club. So if you're interested, you can apply there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. You've been listening to Unprecedented Women with me, Jess Aldsley. If you've been inspired by this conversation, I would love to hear from you. Please subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. Believe it or not, it really does help. Keep in touch on Instagram, my favorite platform, and let me know your thoughts. You can find me at rocksocial underscore. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time for more chats with unprecedented women. Oh,